Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Devraga Personal Finance, episode 84. And in this episode, we will discuss the concept of liquidity. You might have heard about me mentioning about the term liquidity, but I haven't gone into detail in the past, so I thought I should do that in this episode. And we're going to be focused on the concept of liquidity, of course, when it comes to finance. As part of this, we're going to detail about market liquidity, accounting liquidity, and how to measure liquidity using ratios. For those of you that are new to the channel, remember there are three aims of this channel. One is to educate, two is to be empowered about finances, and three is to get entertained. Now just a short disclaimer, I'm not a financial advisor, I'm not an accountant, I'm not a lawyer, nor am I a financial planner. Make sure you take any financial decisions you want to make after listening to my episodes to your appropriate advisors. But if you're stuck on what to do, here are some simple steps to get you in the right track when it comes to saving, investing and personal finances in general. In my humble view, there are five easy steps which anybody could do. Step one is always pay yourself first. What does that mean? It means you take at least 20% of your after-tax money and put it aside. Step two, invest that money. That is your 20% of after-tax money. Invest it into something that you understand or want to understand. For me, I just invest in index funds because I understand it. Step three, reinvest the dividends. Make sure that you take the advantage and power of compounding. It is very, very real. Step four, do it for the long term. I'm not talking seven, 10 or even 15 years. I'm talking 20, 30, if not even 40 plus years. The longer you do it, the more advantage it is for you. And step five, my favorite, always try and automate the investments forever. If you did these five steps, you're more likely to have more money than you'll ever need in your life. And remember, money is just a tool. It doesn't bring you happiness. Use it as a tool to make your life better, but also, most importantly, the lives of people around you better. Now, just a bit of a milestone, I guess, in this podcasting series. I've been doing it now for about a couple of years, but this week I did my first webinar. Thank you to MCCC, which is the training organization for GP registrars in Melbourne. We covered some basic topics such as the pay yourself concept, investing, asset classes, debt repayment strategies, superannuation, personal insurance, and legacy building with wills and estate planning. It's okay if you missed it. That's completely fine for other MCCC registrars. I hope to be doing more in the future. But if you're not part of the MCCC group, that's okay too. Don't forget to tune into these podcast episodes, which are currently available on Anchor, CastBox, Google, and Spotify, and of course, online via devraga.com or my personal Facebook page, which is the Devraga Personal Finance Facebook page. Now to the main topic, what is liquidity? Liquidity just means 
the ease in which an asset can be converted into a ready cash asset without losing much value. It's a reflection of how quickly an asset can be bought and sold. Remember, an asset can be tangible, that is something you can touch, feel, look or admire, or can be intangible, such as intellectual property or goodwill. Cash is a form of a liquid asset. It can be readily converted to other assets such as property, stocks, bonds, etc. The relative liquidity of an asset gives you an idea about how quickly it can be sold and how quickly it can be converted to cash. So, why is it actually called liquidity? Well, think about it like a glass of water. You can have a glass full of water, it can be emptied and you can drink it. That is a liquid. But think about another glass of water just taken out of the freezer. The water is in a different state. It's solid. It's frozen. In other words, the frozen water is relatively illiquid. Is it not? To convert the frozen water to liquid water, you need to wait until it liquefies. That is the process of changing asset classes. I'll come to that in a moment. So during this process, there are various stages of liquefying state of the frozen water. And these various stages can be considered the various asset classes that you can invest in. For example, water in a glass in its fully liquid state is akin to having cash, the most liquid asset. Water which is frozen in a glass is akin to having real estate, very illiquid assets. Everything in between can be classified into various stages of frozen water or liquefied water, equities, bonds, partnerships, LICs, art, cars, REITs, commodities, whatever. So I hope this gives you a bit of a visual representation of liquidity and the various liquidity states of assets. Now, let's use another real-life example, so to speak, to highlight the importance of liquidity. Imagine two people, Bob and Bill, each need to buy a TV. Their budget is about $2,000. You can get a really good TV these days for $2,000. Bob has two grand in his bank, ready to go. Bob has liquid assets, ready to go. Bill, on the other hand, doesn't have any money, but has $2,000 worth of stamp collections. In terms of net assets, assuming both have no debts and no other assets, their net worth is actually the same, but their liquid positions is very different. Let's go into this a bit more detail. You see, Bob can withdraw his money at any time and buy the TV today. He can do it right now. Bill will need to find an owner of a TV that is willing to accept $2,000 worth of stamps, or Bill has to find a buyer for his stamp collection and get paid first, i.e. Bill has to change his assets, stamps, from a relatively illiquid form to a liquid form, i.e. Bill's glass of water is partially frozen. This all seems fine if there is unlimited TVs because Bill has a lot of time to convert his stamps, a relatively illiquid asset, to money or cash, which is a liquid asset. But suppose Bob and Bill have to buy the TV and there's only a limited number of TVs or worse yet, there's only one TV that they're bidding for. Bob, who has $2,000 in his bank ready to go, is far more prepared to buy the TV than Bill, the stamp collector. So, hopefully that gives you a bit of an analogy of what liquidity is. So, what are the two main measures of liquidity or types of liquidity? The first type of liquidity is market liquidity. 
This is when a market exists where an asset can be bought and sold relatively quickly, which means the buyer's bid price must be relatively close to the seller's asking price. If these two measures are close to each other, this means buying and selling assets becomes very easy. This makes the market very, very liquid. For example, the market where $2,000 worth of stamps to be exchanged for one TV, this market may exist somewhere in the world right now, but likely doesn't exist at all or is so rare. So this market is illiquid for all intents and purposes. But when the buyer's bid price and the seller's asking price has a huge gap, this creates a relatively illiquid market too. This makes sense, right? Because this is because buyers and sellers within the market are nowhere within a reasonable price of each other. So a sale is not possible. Using the property market, for example, if a buyer wants a home for a million dollars, but the seller is advertising it for a million five, it's not going to work. If this happens for most properties on the market, then the market is set to be illiquid. We've discussed the buyer's bid price and the seller's asks price, and the difference between these two measures is called the spread. So when the spread grows, the market becomes more illiquid. When the spread is narrow, then the market becomes more liquid. You might have used the term spread when you look at Vanguard, for example, when you're buying and selling ETFs the buy-sell spread. That's what it means. Now that is market liquidity. If you look at the equity markets, usually the daily volume of a stock gives you about an indication about how liquid that stock is. The more trades, the more money and the more liquid because the more interest and hopefully more price fluctuations to take advantage of. Now the other type of liquidity is called accounting liquidity. This is the ease in which a company can meet its debt obligations with the company's existing liquid assets available at a time. Using Bill's stamp collection example, if Bill came into financial trouble and had to sell the stamps in a pinch, it's likely he's going to have to receive the full value for its stamps and probably will need to discount it and sell it quickly. After all, Bill's desperate and who needs to buy stamps? But as a general measure, accounting liquidity takes into account financial obligations within 12 months and compares it to current liquid assets. In effect, this is kind of what an emergency fund is for most people. If you have 12 months worth of expenses for your emergency fund had nothing else in your life, then technically you can meet all of your financial obligations in that 12 months. So your accounting liquidity position is excellent. So if the accounting liquidity takes into account liquid assets and compares it to financial liabilities within 12 months, what defines a liquid asset? In reality, financial analysts define liquid assets in various ways. So it's important to consider and go deep into this concept of what is a liquid asset in terms of various ways of definitions. Now this proves that insight into whether company or business has strong liquidity which leads to another concept called the depth of market. So I'll talk about um, ratios, which is going to go into a little bit more in depth about the definition of a liquid assets and various ratios um, use various definitions of liquid assets. And then we'll go and talk about the depth of market. So let's first discuss the ratios in which liquid assets are defined when it comes to measuring liquidity. How do you measure accounting liquidity? Now, at this stage, you could potentially do this for your personal financial situation as well. 
Now, there are a number of ratios in accounting and liquidity which can be used to measure the company's liquidity. Number one, the current ratio. Number two, the acid test ratio, also called the quick ratio. Number three is the cash ratio. In each of these ratios, which is considered as liquid asset changes, so they have different definitions of what liquid assets are. Let's look at each of these ratios in details. The first one, the current ratio. The formula for this ratio is simple. The current assets, which are reasonably be converted to cash in the next one year, divided by the current liabilities. This is a relatively simple measure. But what does the current ratio actually tell investors? Well, it tells investors how the company can maximize current assets to satisfy debt and payable obligations. Another term for this ratio is also called working capital. This ratio can only be used within industries to comparison and not across industries for comparison. And the current ratio, which is higher than the industry average, is good, and the lower the ratio is considered bad. So if you have a business or a company that has a current ratio, which is higher than what the industry average is, that's considered advantageous, that's considered the company is in a really good position. But if the current ratio is sky high, it just means perhaps the company is sitting on liquid assets and not maximizing it to creating more business, more revenue, and more profits. So the higher the current ratio doesn't necessarily mean the better the company. It comes with a double-edged sword. So when you think about it, if the current ratio is greater than one, it means there is more liquid assets to cover for the next 12 months of financial liabilities. This is good news. So if the ratio is greater than one, this means if the company's liabilities were all due at once, they would be able to meet them and have leftover money on the table. So the company will remain solvent. You can imagine the current ratio of a company depends on the payment cycle. So calculating a current ratio of a business is just one point in time and needs to be done at various stages to get a complete picture. The drawback of this ratio, apart from inability to compare across industries, is that it tends to consider assets as liquid assets. In other words, most of the assets of the company is now considered as liquid assets. But we know from earlier in this podcast, this is not true. Not all assets are liquid. The second type of accounting um, uh, liquidity measure is called asset test ratio or quick ratio. This ratio ignores any assets which are relatively liquid, such as current inventories, but does also include cash equivalents, accounts receivable, and short-term investments. So if you have an inventory, which is basically products that are just on the shelves ready to be sold, that is considered relatively liquid. But if you have cash or cash equivalents, accounts receivable, and short-term investments, that is considered liquid in this particular quick ratio test. So therefore, the formula becomes cash, cash equivalents, short-term investments, and accounts receivable divided by current liabilities. This is the most common ratio used by business analysts today. Now, notice in this ratio, it includes um, cash and cash equivalents as liquid assets. So it has a different definition of liquid assets, once again, compared to current ratio. The reason why it's also called an acid test, I think, is because it's quick. Kind of reminds me of a HUT test when you do a gastroscopy to check for an infection called H. pylori. It's a test that we do um, when patients have gastritis related to a, a particular infection called H. pylori. Now, there is a drawback. 
What happens if accounts receivable is not short term? Some companies have longer terms like 90 days accounts receivable, 120 days accounts receivable. This creates a problem for the quick ratio. It appears as though the company's accounting liquidity is great, but it may not be because the money hasn't been received yet. It may not be received ever. It's paper money. So a company which has a 30-day payment due date is in a better liquid position than a company which has a longer settlement date for payment. Now, compared to the current ratio, the quick ratio is more conservative. The third ratio is called the cash ratio. That's even more conservative. This is the most exact accounting liquidity position of a company. It also considers cash as the most liquid cash assets, accounts receivable and short-term investments, and nothing else. It doesn't take into account other assets or accounts receivable at all. This ratio is used as a worst-case scenario. Therefore, the ratio formula is cash and cash equivalents plus short-term investments divided by current liabilities. Now that we've discussed market liquidity, accounting liquidity, let's further break down what depth of market is. Now, depth of market is another way of measuring market liquidity. It provides a window that shows a number of open buy and sell orders for a security or a stock. The higher the number of open buy and sell orders, the higher the depth of the market. You can get such data from the ASX directly if you want, although I'm not sure if it's free or you have to pay a fee for it. You need to check out on that one. Brokerage firms also provide this information. It's also known as an order book, looking at pending buy and sell orders. So the depth of market is basically the number of buy and sell orders for a particular security in a stock. The higher the number, the more depth of market for that particular stock or security. So why is this relevant? If the depth of market is very high, this means there is significant amount of liquidity for that stock. This means you can buy and sell the stock without causing significant market shift for that stock price. Remember, stock price moves higher if there is significantly more buy orders than sell orders. Supply and demand, the price gets pushed up as much, much more people want to buy the stock. So a stock which has a high liquidity and high depth of market will not cause significant price shifts if you buy bulk the stock and sell the stock. But if there's limited liquidity and limited depth of market, then price fluctuations will happen more readily. In layman's terms, the depth of market is similar to saying supply and demand. Now, let's use an example to highlight how depth of market can be used by a trader. Now, remember, it's for traders, not for investors. I'm not a trader. I'm a long-term investor. I don't look at depth of market at all. Now, let's look at this. Suppose a trader is looking at stock A. Looking at the depth of market relieves the following information. Currently, the stock A is trading at a dollar. So there's 100 offers for $1.05, there's 300 offers for $1.10, and there's 100 offers for $1.15. So the total of 500 offers above current trading price. At the same time, there's also these offers. 50 offers for 90 cents, 25 offers for 95 cents, and 50 offers for 98 cents. There are 125 offers below current trading price. Knowing this, we can see the demand for stock A at price above its trading price is quite good. There are 500 offers, which is a huge demand for this company that's currently trading at a dollar a stock above the trading price. So traders can use this information to come to the conclusion that stock A is rising. So perhaps now is a good time to jump in 
rather than wait longer. Now, the depth of the market, it's not as easy as that. It's a dynamic stat. It changes daily, hourly. So it's not something your long-term investors look at much. I certainly don't care what the depth of market is. It's more for day traders or short-term traders who want to exploit volatility to take a quick buck. So that is liquidity. And that's about it for this episode. In summary, we've discussed liquidity, the two main types, market versus accounting. We've looked at measures of this, current ratio, asset test ratio, quick ratio, and cash ratio. And we've also discussed the concept of depth of market. That's about it for this episode. Thank you very much for all the questions, likes, and comments on the Facebook page. Remember to like the Facebook page. Shout out for questions and comments again. And thank you for all those people that are suggesting topics. Please keep the suggestions coming. And share this channel if you like it uh, with family and friends. Um, It's a free channel. You can share it via Anchor, CastBox.fm app, Spotify, Google Podcast, Player FM, and of course, online via DevRaga.com. Now, remember, always pay yourself first. Make sure you take 20% of after-tax income and put it aside and make sure you start investing early. I don't day trade or I don't do short-term trading, so I don't look at liquidity as such or depth of market. But it's something to be aware of. And when you see this reported on TV or in the media, you now hopefully have a better understanding. This is Devraga Personal Finance, episode 84. And as always, now more than ever, please stay safe. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.